Welcome to Two Nerds and a Book. I'm Kimmy. And I'm Dylan. This is a literary podcast about... Surprise! Books. We pick two books a month. One older that we've been wanting to read for a while. And one new, hopefully from this month, that at least one of us is excited about. So the book we've been reading for the past week is Rebel of the Sands. I got the title right this time. She really tried, guys. And we're about 54% of the way in our books. It's page 171, where the three dots are. That's where we're at. So this is our mid-read podcast. Uh, we're about halfway, and we're ready to talk about what's going on. Our initial grievances and understandings and likes of the book. And we're going to talk theories for most of this. This isn't super spoilery. But if you haven't read to the point that we're at, it's going to be spoilery. So if you haven't read to the point we're at and you kind of want to get there before you hear us, stop. Stop now. Go read the book. Come back. We'll be here. It's worth it. Okay, now that we're back and we've all caught up to the place that we're at, it's time to talk about this book. Where should we start? The characters? Can we start at Jin? Okay, we can start at Jin. <laughs> So Jin, Jin is what we would call a closet keeper. They're the best characters. You want to hide them in your closet and keep them for forever and away from anyone else in the world. But he's super smart. He's amazing. He's very fox-like. That's kind of how I imagine him as being like a fox in every uh, folklore story you've ever heard in your life. He's way too clever, gets himself out of sticky situations, and he tries to slip out before you even notice he's gone. He comes in, grabs what he wants, and he leaves before you even know if he's there. Unfortunately for him, Amani, our main character, seems to be the opposite of his fox-likeness. She does play well with him in some cases with their banter, but mostly she's really, really reckless. It reminds me of the way that I talk to guys, where I'm like, I'm gonna be clever, and they just look at me like... Like we were pointing out to each other, like there's that one point where he's like, do you have a death wish? And she was like, ah, he almost seemed impressed. Like, no. That's not how that works, young lady. I mean, she's not stupid, though. Because her choices in the context of her situation do make sense. Right. She just doesn't think before she acts. No. <laughs> she just goes, that lady's in trouble. I'm gonna help her. And then she thinks to herself, I don't have a plan. How am I gonna get out of this? And then, like, tries to run away the last second? The best unthought-out plans that she's had come from when Jin is involved. He makes them work. I was gonna say, he saves her butt. Like, hi, I'm gonna do this thing, and Jin goes, no, 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 no. Literally, like, she almost gets caught, and he's like, yeah, let's just bail right now. The time has come for us to leave. So we've talked about how blue eyes seems to be a common theme. Like, yes, she has blue eyes. Yes, it's different. But she's not the only one with blue eyes from the desert. No, we, at the very beginning, you run into another character who has blue eyes. And she makes a connection with him. And I thought maybe we weren't ever going to see him again. He does show up. Norsham! And we have no idea where that's going to go. Because he's literally just joined the party. Uh... Or at least we assume he's just joined the party. Because... Otherwise, that break in the text makes no sense. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to continue reading. So my theory on the blue eyes thing is that somehow they're connected, not just from being illegitimate children, but... So he's in the prison because he's special. She's like, what are you guys doing in here? And he's like, she's special. I'm special. And then they kill the girl. 
So... Why is he there? What is his special ability? And if he's special because he has these blue eyes, is she special too? But we also don't know if that other girl had blue eyes. I don't think it's ever I, mentioned. I don't think that has anything to do with anything. He's in the room because he's special, not because he has blue eyes. No, but if you're saying he's special because he has blue eyes, it uh, would stand to reason. I'm saying that he's in the room, he's special, he has blue eyes like she has blue eyes, so possibly she's special too. Either way, there is something special about the blue eyes. There is something that Naguib says to Norsham that she doesn't hear, so therefore we don't hear it, and I just want to know what it is. Like, as soon as he talks to him, he leaves. And then he's like, Amani, I want to help you. But before Naguib even came in the room, he was like, why should I help you? What do I get out of it? Naguib gave him that thing that makes him want to help. It also said that he was scared. So that's like a... And to be fair, he just saw this girl die in front of his eyes. I guess that's true. I didn't think of that. And he learned that his boss, who we assume is the one who locked him up, is not really in power. Yes. Not with the other general there. Yeah. General Dumas is very in control and will totally kill Naguib. He even threatened to kill him. He did threaten to kill Naguib if he gets in the way, yeah. So we don't know what Dumas is planning. We don't know what Naguib is planning. We're kind of in the dark, which is the whole point of the Mid-Read podcast. We don't know. We're speculating. And you get to hear it. So hopefully at the final one, we'll all be going, <laughs> Or maybe we'll just be like, oh. Well, neither one of us has wanted to throw the book across the room yet, so that's a good... I dream about reading this book. <laughs> I like that you dream about reading the book. The closest thing I would probably get is I dream about going on an adventure with Jin. Okay, so back to Jin for a second. What does his compass do? Because it doesn't point north like a normal compass. Which, of course, made us think of Jack Sparrow and his compass that doesn't point north. It's like the only other compass we've heard of that doesn't point north. I mean, they even say it like six times throughout the series. And a compass that doesn't point north. But it doesn't point north, and he's really, really glad to get it back. He goes after her to get this compass back. Yeah, he has no connection with her whatsoever, and he follows her onto this train to find her and get his compass back. As soon as he gets the compass, he's like, whoo! Relief. He relaxes so much, he literally like almost lays his head on her shoulder. I think he lays his head on her forehead. But even though he doesn't know her, he's like relaxed enough, unguarded enough, where she probably could have killed him if she wanted to. That's true, I didn't think of that. Our theory on the compass so far is that it's connected to his brother, who he never wants to talk about, is probably dead, and maybe the reason that he's involved in the mercenary business slash, you know, blowing up the weapons building. Slash traitor, August, whatever this weirdness yeah, you we want to call it. we don't know his real story yet. Because he hasn't told us his real story. We're not completely convinced that his name is Jim. Although I'm tempted to believe it is, or it's a shortened version of his actual name. Oh. We have a theory that he's possibly the rebel prince, and that the compass is pointing towards the monster princess. But both of us think that is a lot of hoo-ha. It's really out there. Obviously, he's a main character, so he's going to have some special meaning to the plot. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. But the one thing that we're not excited for is that we're building up towards this main character picking between Jin and that city Isman she's wanting to go to. I know that they're going to go to Isman. My theory is that they're going to both go together. That something's going to happen and they're both going to go to Isman together and meet her aunt, but her aunt's gonna be terrible, or dead, or non-existent. Oh, I didn't think of that. 
Because my theory is the aunt doesn't actually exist. The mom was just creating her for who knows what reason. Where'd the letters come from then? The mother can write her own letters. I guess that's true. Why would they want to go to Ispahan? Her mom was the one that planted the idea in her head to leave town. It was probably just the closest town. What if her mom is somehow connected to the Sultan? That's what I was assuming. That's why I think she may or may not be connected to the- Cause she probably just married her husband just so that she could stay as far away from Isman as possible and just misses it. So maybe it is her sister and Aunt Farah is just like her- I was imagining that it was her mom's sister, but I think it might actually be her mom's sister-in-law. Cause they said it was her sister, but it's probably just her sister-in-law. There's a lot we don't know about the mom and this sister that's been writing to her. It's a lot of speculation there. Especially because it's said that she is not her father's child. Mm -hmm. So you don't know who her actual father is. The father she grew up with is not fantastic and uh, ended up dead. Yeah! You know, three shots to the stomach will do that. Her cousin, Shira, is the worst person in the entire world. I want to stab her in the face. Yes. She showed a little hint of a decent humanness. But for the most part, she's just terrible. Yeah. She sells her out to Naguib, who is definitely going to kill her, so I'm not sure where she benefits from that. But she also stopped Fazim from being creepy and raping her, so that's a thing. Yeah, and then she ended up with the Sultan, which we learned is not a good thing. Well, she's not gonna marry the Sultan. No, but she's they left her with him. the Sultan. Assuming the Sultan could do whatever he wanted to this I guess girl. that's true. That's exactly what Amani said. She's like, oh, I'm worried about Shira because she could totally get murdered to death by this guy who has no connection with her. The one thing I was concerned about beforehand was the love triangle. So, the rebel plants may come into play here, or the childhood friend, but there hasn't been any sign of it, and I'm hoping it stays away. She did say that Tamid is dead. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe it either. Tamid is totally alive There's and he's no gonna come he's back totally changed. He's either gonna be evil or he's gonna be part of the rebellion. And she's gonna be like, oh my god, Tamid! But there's not gonna be any real love connection between the two of them. He's in love with her. She has no feelings for him whatsoever. Nope. She barely considers them friends. We don't know anything about the rebel prince, but he keeps coming up, so he must be- I'm hoping be... he's gonna be the next love interest, but nothing's gonna beat Jin so far. No, and I swear to goodness, if there's a love triangle, I'm- and she picks the wrong guy. I keep thinking it's gonna be like the Grisha trilogy with by Leah Bardugo, and it's gonna be like the Darkling versus What's-His-Face and Nikolai, and it's gonna be like this big old love square. But the Rebel Prince is gonna be like Nikolai, at least he better be, because Nikolai is hotter than hell. So the rebel prince will come in and be like, I'm so cool, but he's probably going to be a jackass because we know that Amani is going to pick Jin over everything. She better. I mean, she's already picked him over everything thus far. She yeah. may pick him over Eastman. But the rebel prince, he may just be um, an ally or he may actually be dead and no one- That would be interesting. Cares to- Although the new dawn, new desert keeps appearing and it's going to have some sort of impact. I wouldn't be surprised if the rebel, no, if the rebel prince was in Bahali, he would be dead. There's no way that they would let him survive. Nagui would kill him. Dumas would kill him. I was going to say the only way he's surviving is because he's A, either doesn't look like a prince and he's not acting like one or he's not there. Because he's been gone from his princely for... poshness for a long time. The one thing is that the main character and Jin both have different names for the Jin in the story. Oh, Atiyah and Zia? It's supposed to rhyme. 
because he thinks it's impulsive Atia and the Jin Zakir or Sakir, and she says it's Atia and Zia. But they both have different names for them, which my thought is one of them knows the real story and maybe one of them knows the story told to the populace. Whether or not it was her mom who was the lady who was in love with it, although she died. So there's no way that the, her mom is the one who was in love with the Jin. No, although if her mom knew the Jin personally, that right, would make right, sense. Right, right. Or it's the same for him. So we need to read more to get into that. It should come up. It's a common theme. That is probably the closest we've gotten so far to seeing one, meeting one. What, Jin? Jin. Jin is the closest to meeting Jin? No, this story uh -huh. is the closest we've gotten to meeting any genie, Jin, uh, anything beyond that horse. The Baraki? The Baraki is probably the closest we've gotten to meeting a first being. From the synopsis, I was kind of expecting more of that. Yeah, definitely. And now it seems really far-fetched that Jin is a genie. Yeah, honestly. Which is somewhat disappointing, but Jin's awesome, so it's not so disappointing. Yeah, we're not too mad. Let's move on to the writing style. Alwyn Hamilton. I think she's done a pretty great job on this. This is her debut novel, and honestly, I couldn't tell. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell anyway, so. Her writing style for me is very similar to the worlds that Marissa Meyer, the author of Cinder, and Leah Bardugo, the author of The Grishaverse and Six of Crows, what they've done. It's amazing. It's very, it's very real. It makes me feel like I'm living in this world that they have created, which is really cool. I love when authors are able to do that. But you have had that lingering question of where, where is Miraji? Like I'm trying to figure out where in the real world sense it could be based off of. I recognize that it's a fictional place, but it's the name and places make it sound like it's in the Middle East, but the way that they all talk and the way that they all act is very like an old Western film. So I'm like, okay, so it's like that. But then part of me is also like, is it in Latin America? Like, what, what, where is this? I find it hilarious because I personally don't care. <sighs> I'm just like, it's enough for me that it's in the desert. The world feels real. I'm good. I like to have a mental image of my head of what they all look like. I know she's tanner than heck because she lives in the desert, has always lived in the desert. And they're all talked about being dark. They all have darker skin because of the sun. And so it's like, bah! But it's very cool. I like the world. The only issue I've had is that there are some really weird phrasings of words or jumps, sometimes either because of the character or the writing that pull me out of the story. One of them, which I texted to Kimmy while we were reading this, was just this super, super corny line. On page 113, the very bottom. That sounded like they came straight out of a romance novel. And I do read romance novels, but there are a better way to write that than I thought I knew this. But until now, I did not. Like, come on. I didn't catch it because I, she wrote, I was a desert girl, I thought I knew heat, but I was wrong. But I read, I thought I was a desert girl, I thought I knew that. And I was like, okay. He's making her forget herself. Nope, that was not how it was written. So yeah, it sounds like it came straight out of a cheap romance novel, which are not the ones that I read. She makes herself some really high class there. Not. I don't not. read cheap romance novels. I only read the expensive ones. Fans herself with a southern fan. So if obviously you can't start reading along now, I mean, I guess you could try if you wanted to, although we're halfway through, so good luck trying to catch up. It really doesn't take that long. This book reads really quickly. It does. It really does. We had to wait a couple days just so we could put the book on hold and do this. 
When we stopped reading, I kept walking over to Dylan and being like, Have you read this part? This part made me so upset! <laughs> and also, when we do the mid-read podcast, we need to talk about this because it's really important to me. Anyway, if you would like to read along with us, you can. Pick up a book at your local library or at your local bookstore. We suggest the library. They're very nice places. Free. Yeah, unless you have overdue fines, like I do. If you have a suggestion for what we should read next. Or if you want to tell us what you thought, because you disagreed or agreed with our unprofessional opinion. Or there's something that we should know in our mid-read way we didn't catch. Send us an email at twonerdsandabook at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and see you next week for the final podcast of this book! Woo! There's gonna be a bunch of spoilers next week, so keep that in mind if you decide to tune in. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye! Ciao, ciao!